welcome, welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Rella James. Brand new episode, September 23rd. My birthday is on Saturday. Very excited about that. This show was recorded last month with a woman that I've wanted to get on the show for a long time, Jordan Angeli. Very excited she made time for the show. We don't have a lot of time for this intro. Um, a lot of things going on this week with work and school and everything like that. So I'll make this brief. You may hear some alarms going off in the back. There's some batteries that need to be changed. They have not been on the forefront of the things I've had to do lately. So uh, this show is fantastic. I'm very, very, very excited that you get to hear it. And I'm very excited for you because you don't have to. You choose to listen to us. You don't have to. Um, you take an hour out of your week or month or whenever the show comes out to listen to us. And the work that we do here, and I say we because I include you guys just as much as myself. So I just want to thank you each and every time I record a show for that because I don't take that lightly that people listen to the show. There's a long time where people did not listen to the show. And uh, now that we have a consistent number every single time the show drops, I'm very, very thankful for you. And I just want to let you know that um, I can see the cities. I can see how many people. Each one of those cities means something to me now. Even if it's just one person in that random city, it means something to me. And when I show up in your city, I will for sure let you know. I don't know if I'm going to show up you know, to Little Elm, Texas, that often. I know it's right outside of Dallas, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to be in Little Elm when I'm in Dallas. So, you know, we can figure it out. I may, may make a trip. Been a very big supporter. Mountain View, California, day one. Mountain View, California. You guys mean the uh, the world to me. But I'm very excited for the show. Thank you so much for supporting us each and every week. You can follow us on Twitter at if anyone cares underscore at Rella James IAC. You can follow Jordan Angeli. Uh, at Jordan Angeli. You can see the spelling in the episode name and also we'll put her social media information in the bio. If you want to get in touch with the show, just tweet at us. We'll answer questions. We'll do something. We'll figure something out. So um, you can find the show iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Spotify is probably the most universal thing that we're on. Subscribe, rate, review, it really does help people find us when you when you rate and review it. Five stars, nice comments. We've had uh, some people give me not nice stars before because of um, them knowing me. And I'm not, I'm not the worst person in the world, but maybe to them I was, um, I don't know. You can't please everyone. No, I'm not for everyone. I know that. So, you know, one stars from them. Dropped my five to a four point five, but hey, get it back up. If you leave a, a review, put your name on it. We'll give you a shout out. We'll we'll do everything. I just want to get back up to five. Um, but I'm excited. So without further ado, I'm not going to hold you anymore. Here's our interview with Jordan Angeli and for Jordan Angeli, I'm Riley James. If anyone cares. On the line today, a woman from Lakewood, Colorado, the 16th overall pick out of the Santa Clara University, beautiful city that is, in the 2010 WPS draft. 
nine professional goals and 35 career matches, which was shortened by injury. A contributor to the Colorado Rapids broadcast team. Welcome to the show, Jordan Angeli. Riley, I just, I need to take you everywhere with me. That was quite the intro. I appreciate it. I love that. I mean, if you pay me, sure. <laughs> I will intro you at every okay. single Rapids event okay, ever. I'll, I'll start negotiating my contracts differently. <laughs> uh, Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. How long has it been since I DM'd you that first time? About 10 months, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, I can't remember. And I was like, please, please circle back because I know I'll forget because I was going to France and like all this stuff kind of came up last minute over um, the summer. But I know we talked a while ago too, um, just being in contact. So I'm, I'm glad that this finally worked out. So good job. Persistence is key. That's one of the things I've definitely learned in life. I made a career off persistence. Yep. Um. I have an uh, unusual first question that I'm pretty sure you've not gotten since you got back from France. We're going to start with the most recent thing that happened in your life. Okay. All right. What is the first thing you did when you got home from France? The first thing? Okay. When I got like actually to my home home? Yes. When you got into okay. your, your house. I slept and I didn't set an alarm because I, it was kind of a whirlwind, right? Because we, the U.S. team won. And then we flew straight back to New York the next day and then did the parade and then flew to L.A. after the parade. And then since I work for the Rapids, I went straight from L.A. to call a Rapids uh, away game in Portland that weekend. And since I was going to be in Portland, I was like, oh, I'm going to stay for an NWSL game because I love NWSL. And to watch the Thorns play Orlando Pride was like the next day. So it was Sunday. I'm like, I'm just going to do it all because why not? And so I didn't get back till like, um, I think like 1130 PM into Denver and I, I like collapsed, you know, when you're so tired and you're like, I don't even want to change. I changed cause I was on an airplane and gross, but, um, I was like, I can't wait to sleep. So I just slept and slept and slept. And then I saw my family the next day, which was nice. So, <laughs> so those are the first two things I did. You slept, slept and slept. How long did you sleep? Oh my gosh, that first night, I think I slept 11 hours. <laughs> yeah, I was so tired. <laughs> uh, let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about France for a second. So yeah. to kind of fill everyone in that may not know, Jordan went over and covered the U.S. Women's National Team in their journey in winning mm-hmm. their fourth World Cup over in France. Right. Yeah, it was it was super cool, an opportunity that came up pretty last minute. And I, I, I'm super thankful because I've been with the Rapids now. This is my fourth year with the Rapids. And so they know my ambitions and my goals. And um, I had I had chatted with them before the season started. And I said, hey, I'm like really pursuing trying to get to the World Cup. And like, at that point, still in conversations with potentially some of the bigger broadcast names that you everybody would know of. But I had told them if something comes up, it's going to be hard for me to to not take that job. Right. And I just need your guys' support. And they were like, yes, a hundred percent. Like we, we would love that for you. Like you've earned that, this and that. So when this job came up, just really, I learned about the job about five weeks from when the world cup started. And I didn't have my ticket and like official confirmation that I was going until like, not kidding you a week before the first game that the U S played. So, um, it was really all last minute, but 
yeah, I got to work with U.S. Soccer and cover the whole entire fan experience for uh, the World Cup, which you you can tell me. Like, I just love talking to people, and that's a trait that I definitely got from my father. And so I was just running around France, literally running and talking to whoever I could and figuring out why they were there, who, what player they liked, why they liked that player, what the experience was like for them, and then also relaying all that information through the Instagram and Snapchat Snapchat accounts back to people in the U.S. Because my goal and like the the type of uh, content that I wanted to give people was like, man, next time the World Cup happens, I gotta go because it looks like it was so much fun. So I literally just got to live it up for a month and watch the best team in the world defend their crown and once again uh, be lifting the trophy at the end of it. So it was it was ridiculous. So covering that team, being around that winning atmosphere, uh, you're not going to like this, but I picked the United States to lose in the quarterfinals. Yeah, to, which a lot of people did. To France. Yeah. Host nation, at home, a lot yeah. of hype. But to see this team persevere – I mean, really not much trouble in the group stage, winning 13-0 against Thailand. But to persevere, or three back-to-back-to-back, 2-1 wins in the knockout stage games to go to the final, what was the the feel around this team and, uh, and the fans going through these, like, 2-1 gritty results? Yeah, some of them were really intense. Like, the Spain game in the round of 16 was intense right because Spain came out and played completely differently than anybody really thought that they were going to play and I think it threw everybody aback a little bit and so uh one of the things that since I was working for U.S. soccer is I sat with the friends and family and all U.S. soccer staff at the game so I was sitting next to Alyssa Nair's parents at times and Kelly O'Hara's family at times and so when you're getting into these games and um you know it was a really tense place to be sitting because like you could feel the anxiety of these, this friend, these friends and families and loved ones and everyone that was involved because um, some of these games were close. Right. And it was, it was like some of the tensest moments, but the moments of joy too. Like I got to, one of the coolest things about what I got to do is, you know, I was sitting with the family. So I got all these videos that you guys have seen over the course of the summer with Lindsay Horan, Sam Ewis, Kristen Press, uh, Alinsa Nayers, all those families who were celebrating when their daughters did something, when I, I captured that in the stands. And one of the players said to me, like, thank you for doing that because we don't get to see that. You know, we're always playing. We're always um, we're always on the field and or in the stands and we don't get to see what our family is like. And for you to capture those videos and give them to us has been something that has been so special for us. So uh, that was really meaningful to me because I know what it's like, you know, like I know what it's like to be on the field and to have these people just support you with all their heart and soul. And uh, to see them celebrate in those times of triumph was, was really special. So all this leads me to ask this question. Being in France, being around players' families, being around players, being around the fans, leading up to the final, was there any doubt? You know, I it's funny. I, after the final, I was like, I can't believe they won. I can't believe they won because you're there and you're watching it firsthand. But 
honestly, if they wouldn't have won, I think it would have felt like, wow, I actually can't believe they didn't win, right? Uh, this team, there was something so special about them. And I spoke about this um, in an article I did with the Denver Post before the tournament. I have been around the sport for a long time and been in with the national team and out of the national team and just known what it's like to be a part of that group. And it is one of the most intense atmospheres that you can ever be around in sports, right? Because if you look at any other team, maybe, I don't even know if they would be, you know, put in this, but like maybe the New England Patriots have the same win ratio, but this team, the U.S. women's soccer team is expected to win every single game they go out and play every game they're expected so the intensity within the training camps and how they train is high right because they know that expectation is for they always have to have victory but one of the things that is unique about this team i think is this combination of the youth and the veteran players but it was like they all had they like almost had this like goofiness this silliness this like joy about them that I think was a lot different than I had I had ever seen before um and I think it just created this atmosphere that really allowed them to not only push themselves but really enjoy it in a different way than um we had seen before so it was just a really special group so I don't think in my mind even though things got tough right like that game against France if there was five more minutes at the end of that game right France started getting some momentum and like who who knows what would have happened but it was like even in those tense moments you always believed that they would pull it through because that's what they do they just like come up big in big moments we'll we'll get off France we'll move on but two things I want to know what was your favorite city not named Paris yeah actually I mean I love Paris and if if anybody is listening and they've never been like, what a, what a city, right? There's just so much to do. You can get lost in any street and like be so happy. Um, but my favorite city was Lyon. I really liked it. It's, it's, you know, it gives you that, that French Parisian kind of feel, but it's much smaller. So you can get around quicker and they had bike lanes everywhere. So um, the key about the bike lanes, Riley was they had, scooters which are now like invading everywhere right but i felt super sick scooting around that city because there's bike lanes and like um you you had this own little way to get around and um, i mean it had one of the most magnificent uh, basilicas that i had seen throughout a lo- like a lot of my travels and especially my travel during france this this summer um, sitting up on top of the hill just overlooking everything leon was a really really cool place and as a place I want to go back because there's a lot of areas around it. Like you can get to Switzerland in an hour. You can go to wine country in less than an hour. There's a lot of things that are near there, um, especially the coast south that I didn't get to go to. But it's kind of like a nice central spot that you can get to all those places. So I would highly recommend going to Lyon. Plus, it's like the food capital, like the culinary capital of France and um, had some mighty fine meals there. Perfect segue to the second part of that question. <laughs> okay. Best French dish you had yeah. while at the World Oof. Cup? I have been like dreaming of this cheese <laughs> since I left. I the, I had really good meals, and I like guess I didn't really realize that the French like love their meat and potatoes. So a lot of steak and French fries or like some form of potatoes that happened a lot of my meals. But um, 
my favorite thing that I ate was this this cheese that was like I don't even know. I have a picture of it somewhere on my phone, but it it was almost like the consistency of a cream cheese, but it was cut like in a triangle, kind of like how you get brie, brie cheese. And um, so it was this softer consistency. And then in the middle was truffles and um, like mushroom truffles. And it was just the most delicious cheese I've ever had. And it still makes my mouth water thinking about it. I couldn't have written a better segue. You just went straight into it, and then yeah. your, your passion. It's 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 one thing to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team and have passion about covering that, but the food. But you brought the same passion talking about food. Yeah, and I mean, the cheese. I, yeah, I mean, I That's, agree. French food is fantastic. But. Yeah, soccer and, and food. Those are the ways of my heart. Um, you can tell by the way I talk about them. You're such a zeal. In your, <laughs> in your voice. But, uh, I, I, want, I want to take it back, not that far back, at least, okay. to when you were a child. Okay. So Farther back than, than it was last year, but... When you were a kid, what was the, what was the dream? I, since, when I was really little, I really wanted to be an actress. And um, I was obsessed weirdly enough with Jim Carrey and like Ace Ventura and like that comedic style of acting like I just wanted to be that so I like took acting lessons and I was playing soccer at the same time and I kind of remember this time where my mom was like well you got to choose one like because acting got to this point where like you had to pay and like go to lessons and do all this stuff and I was like oh, I want to play soccer and so like um that's always been like a love of mine of like being frankly the center of attention right and just like being in front of the camera and being a ham um so I always knew that was something that I love to do but I I really enjoyed soccer and like the what it brought to you as like far as meeting new friends and like the intensity of competing and I remember being uh 13 years old I had just turned 13 and I was at a regional back in the day they used to have a state cup and then regional tournament and then a national tournament. And we won state cup at U 13 and we got to go play in regionals in San Bernardino, California. And it was during the 1999 world cup. And I remember sitting in the hotel lobby with my entire team watching this big, like box of a TV. Um, and the women being on the screen and us all sitting there gathered to watch the game. And I, I, distinctly remember looking at them and thinking to myself like that's what I want to do I want to play soccer for the U.S. team like I want to be on TV playing soccer and that kind of like changed it for me and it was at a point in my my young soccer career at that time where I was maybe playing five minutes a game like maybe would get in and um, it just wasn't soccer it wasn't like I was excelling at the game right like I knew I had what it took but like I wasn't giving, getting opportunities to play, but still that passion and that love for the game were already like so ingrained in me that I knew that that wasn't something that would like hold me back that, um, I just wanted to play and, um, had big dreams even, even when things were tough. So when you got to Santa Clara university and when you got to play professional soccer, did you think back to that moment? And oh, I it, think, yeah. If you did, what was it like to finally accomplish that? Yeah, I think about that moment a lot um, because 
you know, we started off this podcast talking about perseverance, right? And I think as a very young kid, I, I was really intense. Like the things that I would do, I would do it like, I didn't know anything but like 100%. So like we would do a dance, my sister and I would do like a dance in our living room and I would be like, I'm all in, you know, I'm going to do everything. And that's kind of how I was with soccer is like, I'm all in, I, I'm intense. I, I want to get it done. And that perseverance, I think of like it not coming easy, but knowing that it would be worth it. I learned that lesson really, really young. So that's something that you just like keep having to go back and like relearning over and over again, right? Like things get hard and then you figure out a way to get through it and you're like, I'm going to persevere, right? So I think having that lesson really young allowed me to understand what was really important to me. And I thought about that a lot. You know, I, I suffered through um, multiple injuries and not, not making teams and uh, feeling like I uh, was doing everything right and didn't, didn't get the opportunities that I felt like um, I should be getting. And it all came back to like what I learned in that, that moment. Right. Which is I, I went up to my coach cause I almost got cut after that. So I, right a month after I, I was like looking at this TV and saying, that's what I want to do. My, my coach was going to cut me from that team and move me to the second team, the team below it. And I was like, basically was like, no, like you don't have a left outside midfielder. Give me six months and I'll be your left outside midfielder. And I worked on it every single week. I worked like with a private trainer and figured out how to play with my left foot and um, put in the work that allowed me to persevere and like get through it. Right. So um, I didn't get cut. And I think that lesson, that whole lesson is something that um, I think about a lot in Riley, listen to how like full circle this is. Uh, one of the uh, scouts for the national team at this World Cup was that coach that tried to cut me, um, Tom Stone, and he was a scout for the U.S. Women's National Team this year. And he um, was telling everybody like, "This girl, she'll just whatever she puts her mind to, she'll she'll make a way to do it." And so, um, yeah, I I think about that a lot, and I'm so grateful for that that bump in the road when i was such a young kid life is weird it's so cool man it is so cool life is so weird um but it sounds like all those players on the field and all the the people that came up were not the only ones inspired by the 1999 team you were and you went out and you got to where you wanted to go Maybe, yeah. not the, maybe not the national team level, but you played professional soccer. That's That was the dream. You accomplished that yeah. dream. So just shout out to the 99ers. They're, oh, you know, for sure. Only the they're, pioneers. And they're just like so cool. Like these women, I've, you know, I had a chance of, since I went to Santa Clara, like I was around Brandy Chastain all the time. But like at the World Cup, I spent every day with Julie Foudy and she is like legit so cool. And they just want the best for people who are in this, you know, really everybody, but like people who are in this sport who like have the passion and the knowledge and like want to get after it. Like they are so supportive and, um, yeah, they're just rad women. They've done, they've done so much and they continue to still affect the game. So accomplishing that dream, Mm -hmm. getting there, you had some dark times, you had some, some issues, Mm-hmm. The, the injuries. Yeah. You started the ACL club. 
based on your experiences and creating this environment where people can be uplifting and, and provide encouragement. During your injuries, during those moments, what did the lowest point look like? Oof. The lowest point was low, like really low. Um, I think when you, for me, I've always been a person that's like, I believed in myself more than anyone else believed in me or anyone else like doubted me. Right. Like I just had this insane ability to know that like I can do anything. And, um, when I didn't feel that way, when I didn't think I could do this, when I didn't think I, it was worth it with like, when I thought like, man, is this, what, what is this for? Like, why, why, if I can't be a soccer player, then like, what's it all worth? Um, that's hard, right? That's like, that's a real, I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about it because like, that's just not who I am as a person. So it's hard. Like you get so wrapped up and I think we all get so wrapped up in like what we do um, as a profession or as a hobby or what sport we play or what we're into, if it's art or music or whatever. And if that's taken away, you have like a little bit of an identity crisis. And, um, you know, I had to really understand that I am not like, I'm not Jordan, the soccer player. I am like, I'm Jordan, the person who will do anything for all my friends, right? Like I'm Jordan, the person who uh, goes up to someone and just starts a conversation. Like the qualities in myself that are bigger than my profession, my that are bigger than what I do or what like label I have. Like that, I had to learn that, truly learn it and believe in it. And um, so, yeah, the dark, the dark times are dark. And I think coming from me and kind of what I just shared, how I was like always this person who not only believed in myself, but I was always considered like a very mentally strong uh, player. And that was one of my characteristics that I think uh, my teammates looked up to me. Like I could push through fitness. I could, um, when the game got hard, I was always like super tuned in. And, um, but this injury was hard for me and these recoveries were hard for me mentally. And I'm like, man, if it's hard for me, I can't imagine what it's like for people who don't have what I have, you know, that, that grit and, and self-belief and mental fortitude. And so, um, it really made me see this giant gap in the recovery process. And, uh, really it's been, it's, you said, you know, life is weird. Well, it, there's been such a big push over the last five years of mental health. Right. And, um, I started the ACL club about four years ago and that's like, it was still like a little bit talked about, but I would say, I don't know. I don't know when mental health, like really, especially as athletes, like really started, um, showing up more. I think of Kevin Love, you know, within the last couple of years, who's really come out and like expressed how he's had some, some tough times on the mental health and like, um, I think I was like ahead of the game in that aspect where like, I knew that this was a hard part of the process and nobody was uh, doing anything about it. So I was like, I'm going to change that and I'm going to do something about it and uh, help as many people as I can help. 
So the ACL club to start that and to have mm-hmm. that available for people to have this support and to have this encouragement going through that, has it turned out the way you wanted it to? And, and what do you expect it to kind of bring people when you started it? You know, I think expectations are so funny, right? Especially when you like in my soccer career, like I was successful, right? Like I got, or what we perceive as successful is like making it to a professional level. So, um, I think when you leave a, something that you're good at, you think that the next thing that you do is going to be just like great right away. And I'm not saying that the ACL club isn't great because man, it is amazing, but you understand, like you didn't, I didn't make it to become a professional soccer player in a month, in five years. I made it there in 25 years, right? Like it took a lot of work to get there. And so it's just that, that persistence all over again and that perseverance. And so, um, it started off and, you know, I think it's been a really, in my view, like a slower climb than I had anticipated, but I also understand. And I always thought that like, if I can help one person avoid or, uh, if mitigate like what I went through and tearing my ACL multiple times on the same leg, if I help one person, like it's worth it. Like it is so worth it. If that one person, um, you know, recovers properly from the first injury and then goes on to do whatever they want to do, um, and learns the lessons that they need to learn. Like I did, I did what I was supposed to be doing. So I try not to focus on like the numbers so much and try to focus on the messages that I get. Like I have, dms all the time just like thank you this is this account has helped me so much just understanding that i'm not alone and that people understand what i'm going through and to not rush the recovery that it's it's worth taking your time through it or emails from parents who say that their kids uh, have felt that they've been really supported through it and have used the acl club as a way to um you know learn how to journal and express their emotions that way or found an outlet to, to talk to somebody about what they were feeling or um, whatever it may be. It's just, it's very rewarding to know that all this, all the work that I put into and really like what I learned through my injuries is not going to waste that I can um, positively affect somebody else's life and allow them to look at this injury recovery, not as something bad that happened to them, but as an opportunity to grow and learn things about themselves, whether it's physical, mental, um, emotional, spiritual, whatever it may be, learn about themselves in a way that maybe they wouldn't have if they weren't forced or if they weren't um, chosen to put on this, this path where they um, had an opportunity to slow down and, and understand what it took to get through something tough. All right. So 30 minute recap into the show. We've learned stuff about you so far. <laughs> and the fact that we can add like encourager and an inspiration to the list, like I already knew that, but hearing more about it and, and hearing the thought process and what it started out being and what it is today. Mm-hmm. It's incredible that. Oh, thank you. Because it's often overlooked. Injuries are often overlooked as, yeah. quote-unquote, just a part of the game. But And 
And though, Riley, they really are, right? Like, I, one of the things I've never said is this isn't like one of my biggest goals is to reduce the risk of people actually joining the ACL club. Like, I don't want people to join the ACL club. That is not my goal. My my goal is to reduce that that number and use my platform to uh, get into implementing risk reduction programs within all different types of sports, right? And that's really just like. Um, proper warm-up, activation, things like that. But it is a reality, right? Injuries happen in sport, and we can't stop that. But what we can do is, one, reduce the risk, but two, allow people to know that if they get hurt, it um, it doesn't mean that they're weak. It doesn't mean that they aren't a part of the team. It doesn't mean that um, – they're broken and it will never be healed again. Like these are all things that you think when you get injured. So just to provide them with, with that type of reassurance that like, Hey, if you had that thought, we had that thought, right? Like there are hundreds and thousands of us that have gone through these same thought processes. So to let them know that they're heard, they're understood and they're um, empowered to take this by the reins and say like, this is my, my chance to, uh, take care of myself, right? And and say, I'm going to choose where I go to rehab. I'm going to choose the doctor I, I have. I'm going to choose the graft. Um, I'm going to change how, I'm going to learn more about nutrition. I'm going to learn more about sleep and rest and how that can help myself recover. All things that are like, really empower them to take control of this process and um, look at it as a, as a way to get better. I know when I had my injury playing soccer, I ruptured my Achilles, and then three months Oof. later, like an idiot, I came back and tried to play right away, broke my heel, which was Ugh. a freak injury that was absolutely just the most amount of pain I've ever been in. To Ugh. have those thoughts of like, I'm never, it's never not going to hurt. Right. It, it's a real thing that people don't talk about very often. They, oh, they yeah. Always just, and and that, to reprogram our brains, right? Because our brains have been told for however many years that we played sports, like run it off, tough it out, rub some dirt on it. Like all of these sayings that are like, if you're in pain, keep going. And that's not always correct. Right. Like we have to differentiate like what is worth pushing through and what isn't. And, um, just reprogramming our brain that like, if you don't, move through pain doesn't mean you're any worse of an athlete. Like if you're ne- if you had ACL surgery and, or that your heel surgery and like you are working through pain, well, maybe that pain is a sign that like something isn't right. And like, we need to take a step back and listen to our body. Um, I'm a big advocate of like listening to your gut and what your, your gut's telling you if you should play or not, not your brain and the expectations we put on ourselves to make it back in a certain amount of time. And, uh, be the fastest recovery ever or uh, get cleared and say, okay, I'm cleared. Now I can play full out. No, well, that's not really what it means, right? Like that's not what cleared means. Cleared means you're cleared to progress into the next stage of recovery, which is incorporating yourself back into training, which is a slow progression, just like the rest. So kind of breaking all these habits that we've learned over the years of playing sports and um, understanding that like, if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't listen to ourselves, we are never going to be able to get back to where we really want to go, right? Because um, we can't just push through everything. It's not It's not healthy. Where were you when I was 15? 
You would have saved me a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, Riley. <laughs> we're but, only three years too late. <laughs> Man, you were 15 three years ago. That's wild. Uh, yeah, I was an idiot. Uh, just trying to come back and, and do that whole thing. But, I mean, no, it, it's also important to educate people about that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was 15. Yes. I was 15. I'm like, I, I didn't know any better. I heard clear. I'm like, all right, let's go practice right now. Let's go practice yep. three hours and then try yep. to play a game on the next Tuesday. Like, it just didn't work. And yeah. then uh, to to feel in that moment that I'm not only feeling pain, but I'm in pain. And it mm-hmm. feels like you're not going to get out of it. And it's so short-sighted. You're thinking yeah. you're going to be in pain this moment and the next and the next yep. and the next yep. just to work through that. And, and I had a lot of lot of internal struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And it took me 13 months to get fully back. Wow. It yeah. It was the worst, and, worst portion of my life. I, I, I hate yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds – it's it, that sounds and horrible and that, it's like what what you said though is so true right like what we don't know we can't we can't expect ourselves to like know better <laughs> that sounds silly but like if we don't educate athletes on these types of things then they'll never know any better so my big my big um push right now with the ACL club is I feel like it's kind of established in in this place where I have this whole online course that helps people through the recovery process on the mental side where I've like gathered this team of experts, whether they're sports psychologists or counselors or uh, sports performance people. And they, you know, they're a part of this whole entire six month course. So that's out there. And that's something that is accessible to everybody. And it's called the process because it's a process, right? It's not just an, an immediate thing that you get better. You work on these things all the time over and over again. So I have that. And now I really want to um, also focus on this other side, this risk reduction side. And, um, and a big part of the risk reduction is gathering athletes, parents, t- uh, the coaches, and even like administrators, anybody that's like, in this this journey of athletics is like letting them know that like hey you wouldn't show up to a test without studying right so you can't show up to training without preparing your body like your body is your tool and these are the things that you can do to help prepare yourself to go perform so um just educating on that and then uh, the acl club helps with that that education on the the back end if injuries do happen it allows people to uh, tap into that resource and say, okay, well, now I've learned, like, I don't have to set a timeline. I don't have to rush. I don't have to put expectations on myself. I just have to be present in the moment and, uh, and understand that, like, progression is key, right? Like, focus on the little things, the small wins, and eventually you're, you're going to find yourself back where you want to be. All right. That was, you know, the ACL club is, is definitely something that's, been very intriguing to look into mm-hmm. in this 10 month process trying to prepare to have you <laughs> but uh just recently the last couple of days i've been digging into and it's definitely something that um i i'm happy that it, it exists yeah. for just anyone that has an injury but especially yeah. acl injuries that are just so it it it's so the perception of it's so awful to mm-hmm. me just have an ACL injury, your season's over. And then like, there's this very long, like climb back period yeah. where it's just, it's nothing but pain. 
yeah. doing rehab and stuff. It's one so. of the reasons why, like, what you probably noticed when you're looking at the ACL club is, like, I, inc- I incorporate everyone from, like, young athletes in high school to collegiate athletes to professional athletes because the struggles they all go through are so similar, right? And I think it gives inspiration to these young athletes to say, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling the same way as a, a professional athlete. Like, we have those same feelings. Like, will I be a professional athlete? I don't know. But, like, to know that if this feels hard to me and it feels hard to a pro athlete, then, like, okay, like, that's a little bit of validation, right? That this journey is difficult, but like I can do it. Let's transition to some more happier times. Yeah. The Colorado Rapids are a soccer yeah. team in Major League Soccer based in Denver, and you just so happen to work for them. I do. So that opportunity, what has that been like? And I know the Rapids haven't been super great recently. They had that one year where they're really, really good. But to to be around that atmosphere, just soccer in Colorado, what's that been like? It's been awesome. You know, I I don't think I emphasize this enough when you were talking about me like living out my dream and playing as a professional athlete. Like I got to do what I dreamt about when I was young, and like not a lot of people got to do that get to do that. And like, I am so grateful for my opportunities on the field, but I think the injuries and, um, I played every position growing up and through my professional career on the field. And like all these things kind of led me in this path where like, I am set up to be a broadcaster, right? Like I know the responsibilities of every position because I played every position. I competed at the highest level. I played in a youth world cup, all these things kind of uh, led itself to even my acting career, right? Like even they led themselves <laughs> to this uh, culmination of becoming a broadcaster. So it has been super cool because I remember going to Rapids games when I was young, like in those days when I was 12, 13, 14, um, my coaches were Rapids players growing up and to get to go there and work alongside uh, Marcelo Balboa, who is a Rapids and U.S. men's national team legend. Um, is It's super cool to have him and the other broadcasters that are a part of that team. But to work for my hometown, my hometown team, a team that I've um, rooted for and watched for so long, it's been really awesome. And uh, they, you know, it, it's the opportunities that I have, I'm, I'm one of, um, I, I believe Kendra, uh, Kendra D. St. in, uh, Minnesota and me, I think we're the only two females who are like calling games regularly in MLS. So I think there's other females who like pop in and out, but, um, yeah, this is our, we've both been in multiple seasons now of, calling games in major league soccer and for me to be in that like very small portion of uh women is just it's cool like I I love that and I love that they've trusted me and my experience and my knowledge of the game to be able to be a part of their broadcasts and I've I just love it like sometimes I'm standing there in the booth and like when I was a player during the national anthem I would just like uh I would pray and like be so grateful of the opportunity that I had to go and perform. And I, I find myself doing the same thing when I'm in the booth, just like so grateful that 
uh, I am where I am and I get to stay involved in the game that I love so much by, you know, helping people learn more about it. And it's, it's super cool. One of the biggest regrets of my life is not being in Houston last Saturday. <laughs> I know. Well, that is crazy. We could have had the best conversation, right? So for those that, <laughs> that don't maybe understand what I just said. So I, I do a lot of stuff with the Houston Dynamo. I, I cover the team as a neutral reporter. I cover a lot of the teams that come into BBVA Stadium. I also do a lot of Dynamo stuff because um, it's two hours away from my home. Jordan was there at BBVA Stadium on Saturday as the Rapids came and drew 2-2 with the Houston Dynamo. I took the month of August off from doing games and traveling because I had an insane summer. So I took the month <laughs> off and missed two Dynamo games. And just so happens <laughs> during that two-game period, the two-game period where they play Chicago and Colorado, two games I didn't necessarily felt too bad about missing, I did not put together the yeah. Miss Jordan was going to be there. And I completely I just squandered the opportunity. But but I'm kind of happy we did this first. Yeah. <laughs> so in 2000, me too. This has been great. <laughs> 2020, when the Rapids come and play Houston. Yes. We have an established relationship. We have an then. established relationship. You were on my show. <laughs> I love it's gonna, it. It's going to be great. It will be. It's going to be great. It will be. Um, so. From the media side, now ask this to, to every former player I interview. What you do now, how has it changed your appreciation for the game now that you're on the media side of things? That's a good question because I think you can go in a, in a couple of different directions. It's um, It changes my appreciation of the game of just like, what you see when you're playing the game and how your perspective is so different, right? Like a lot of the times we're calling the games and we're higher up and we can see the passing channels and we can see what's on and in movements like maybe that are out of your peripheral vision. And it seems so easy. Right. And um, it reminds me that the game is so intricate and so demanding in every single moment and that there are a lot of different options that are available. And it's not always like my perspective or my point of view or the path that I think is, is right is the always the right path. So I think it gives me a, like an overall bigger perspective of just how magnificent this game is and how much I just stink and love it. But um, it also, it, it sh has shown me like really how much, you know, I think that one of the things that players, what tends to happen is like you get similar questions from media, right? Like there's a storyline and like they want to know about that storyline. And one of the things I think I've been noticing is that players just want to like a lot of the times not, you know, they don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about what they want to talk about or um, nothing that's really related to the game. So I've, I've really enjoyed like being on the media side and getting to just like have fun with the players and make myself feel like I'm, I'm still a player again. A couple of years ago, I went to um, NWSL championship and got to do some really fun interviews with the players. And I think they appreciated like the change up of like what they thought media day was going to be and like something a little bit different, but um, so that, but also like, there's so many cool stories out there. There are so many, stories on every single team of players who 
have uh, gone through whatever it may be to get where they are. And I think that we're just, um, we're all people, right? We all have struggles and we all have ups and downs and um, hard things that happen to us in our life. And uh, to, to look at it from that way and to like treat people um, not always as athletes. Cause I think that sometimes we think athletes are invincible, um, but as people, so it's, it's just kind of, allowed me to see the media side in a different, a different light. You asked me the point of the show before you came on. And I, mm-hmm. I told you that no matter if you used to play for the New Orleans Saints, like TJ Graham did on episode 18, or if you're a college professor, like episode 17, or if you're an orthodontist, like episode 14, we're all people. People are pretty mm-hmm. much the same. We all have, you know, things that, that happen. We all have to deal with things we don't want to do. Like I don't, particularly like doing yard work yeah, right. I, I still gotta do it uh, yeah you may not like you know going to get groceries from the grocery store you got to do it like every person has that one thing they don't want to do during the course of the day and that, that I think about that all the time yeah with it connects me to someone in uh, you know Thailand who yeah. has that one thing they hate doing in the course of their day I have that one thing I hate doing like it it's so it's such an interconnected feeling when you when mm-hmm. you can relate to someone that doesn't look like you, that doesn't speak the same language, but you have that one pet peeve that you just absolutely hate. Um, that's what I think about when I think about different people I interview, or different people I meet. Because doing soccer, you get to meet a lot of people, and it's fantastic. Yeah. And they're from so many mm-hmm. different countries. Like just in the last couple of months, I've interviewed Diego Valeri from Argentina, Latif Blessing from Ghana. You know, Joe Willis from Missouri, like all these different places. Yeah. And they're all just professional athletes trying to do this one single job in America, play professional right. soccer, win MLS Cups. They're they're so similar, but they're all so different. That's what people yeah. are. So that's like yeah. the whole point of this show. And you just kind of hit on that with people just want to do what they want to do. Yeah. And we're all trying to do and live out our dreams. Yeah. And I think sometimes with the media, like I'm like, did I ask a good enough question? Did I, was this good enough or this good enough? And like, one of the things I've, I've realized is like, I can ask whatever question I want, but they're going to answer it however they want to answer it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like I can ask question A and they can answer question, like give me answer J. Like it could not be related at all. <laughs> and that's totally fine. Um, but to like be able to listen, I think people just want to, whatever it is, they really, we just all want to be heard. Right. And, um, sometimes athletes can really allow you to, to tap into that. Covering the Rapids. Um, not, not the funnest of years this year. Uh, what's something that you do to keep morale up when the team's not really doing so hot? This, this team, it's been really cool to be a part of because it has been, it's been a, you know, a a season, the beginning of the season was hard. Like it took a while to get that first win. And, um, when they, when we won on the road in LA, that first, that first win, and, uh, I think it was beginning of May. Um, I like the guys walk into the locker room, like all giving their, like the biggest smiles on their face because it wasn't as if like they were lacking effort or lacking, um, you know, they were trying so hard and like working so hard. It was just like, just, it wasn't going their way. Right. And, um, 
it's been a really cool group to be a part of because sometimes hard times bring people apart and sometimes hard times bring people together. And this group has really come together and I've really enjoyed being around them. Like they've been a fun group to, to be around and they're always so nice and respectful and like, um, conversational and, and want to chat and see what's going on with me. And, um, yeah, they've really created a, a nice little like bubble around them where, you know, things might not be going right. And from an outsider's perspective, but they've created this culture within them. So, you know, I think for, for me is just to like, they've really allowed me to to stay in it and to stay positive because I watch them. I go to training a few times a week and I, I watch them work and train and laugh and push each other and all those things. And it's, um, it's cool to see that and to be a part of that, to know that like, Hey, that might not pay off this season. Right. But it might pay off next season or the season after that. Like you never know when that work is going to, is going to pay off, but for them, they're putting it in they're putting in the work. So that, that makes my job, you know, a little easier. One of the last things I want to touch on before we let you go, because I think it's incredibly interesting and you, um, I don't know what your reaction to it because I texted it to you, but your fashion. Yeah. Just some, My of, the, fashion? some of the, some of the things you, I've seen you wear and yeah. post on Instagram in France, Good. whether it be, you know, at the world cup or in Colorado or just doing whatever it, your fashion sense is absolutely fantastic. And I just thank you. I just want I want you to give out a tip or tips Ooh. to people, especially young women getting yeah. into this game, getting mm. into being on television, no matter what sport they cover, no matter what they if they even mm-hmm. do sports. What inspires you to wear wear the clothes that you yeah. wear and, and how do you pick those? Yeah, I think one of the things that you just said is one of the things that I think about a lot is like um, getting into this industry as a female there, you know, there's still, still are a lot of bias, biased opinions and uh, a lot of people who say things to me and, um, you know, like, Oh yeah, you can do this. You, you, you have the face for it or something. And I am always like, well, I hope that's the last thing you notice. Like, I hope you notice the way that I, I communicate about the game and the way I, uh, tell people what's going on in the game and uh, how I engage with humans and, um, you know, perform my job, not like how I look, like, do I like having good fashion and like making myself feel confident? Yes, absolutely. But, um, I always want that to be like a second, um, like, and not to be about what we look like, right. It to be about, um, how we exude confidence and, and, do our jobs but on that same on that same hand right like if you if you feel good and you're and you're wearing something that makes you feel confident like you're exuding more of your personality and you're able to be a little bit more yourself so I love fashion for that that um main reason and one of the things I've always like I'm I'm kind of a tomboy at heart right like I grew up wearing like soccer clothes to school every day and um like sweats. And so I think like, I'm very modest in the way I dress. Like I don't try to like show off or, or be too exposed, but like, I like to be feeling like I'm like 
a little sassy, like a little <laughs> sassy in the sense, like I'll wear a purple dress and I'll wear leopard shoes. Um, because it makes me feel like I, I just have always had like a little bit of a funky sense of style where like, if it's a little bit different, like during the finals game, I wore, uh, these overalls that had like pinstripes on them in, in France. And I was like, these are cool. I'm going to wear them. Like, I don't care, um, what anybody says. So I think fashion is so cool because it's an expression of, of who you are on the inside, right. On the outside, you get to show that off. And, um, I think just being truly confident in who you are and like, it doesn't have to fit the mold of what everybody else thinks it should fit, but, um, for it to just be you. So I don't know, like have some fun with it, mix things up and, and put things on that make you feel like, I don't know. You know what I mean though, Riley, right? Like you put something on sometimes and you're just like, man, this outfit makes me feel cool and I'm going to wear it. It doesn't matter if it's really cool. It just makes you feel a certain way. Right. Cool it, is all a perception. It, I think you and me think a lot alike after talking to you for like an hour now. Yeah. Um, I, I did this thing in, in March one. I didn't, I didn't have anyone come with me to a game. So I didn't have any of the, the camera, the, the cameraman I usually do. So I was doing the game, just writing and, and just doing internet stuff. So I wore a short suit. Yes. Short suits are it. amazing. It was, I mean, it ended up being like 36 degrees. So it was a, not a great decision, but <laughs> <laughs> in March, you know, late March, I'm like, ah, I'll be fine. Yeah. But uh, the last couple of games I've worn like a gray suit, but with shorts, like gray shorts. Yeah. And like, I think yeah. it looks fantastic and you can't yeah. tell from the camera angle. Cause it's, you know, about halfway up my torso up. Right. But it's a thousand degrees outside and it's so hot. It's I'm so hot. Sweating constantly. And like Houston, Houston, mm, you were just hot. in Houston. Like, it's too hot. A couple it's days ago. <laughs> it's, the heat index is 111 at 11 o'clock at night. And it's just, yeah. it feels awful. So yeah. to have the confidence now to wear the short suits with like white, bright white tennis shoes yeah. to match like a little white flower I'm wearing. Like it looks good. Yeah. And, and I also like, I'm all, I'm always like, Right now, I I call like I, it doesn't really matter what I wear, right? Like I'm on the radio. I'm I do a couple of, of things where maybe you, you'll see my outfit, but um, I have always been um, a believer in like preparing yourself for the job that you um, want. And like my dream job is to be Rebecca Lowe, right? To like oh. sit and like host a panel Rebecca. of uh, soccer experts as like a a former player and get to like mediate that conversation. Right. So I'm like, I, that's my job. Like I'm going to dress like that's my job, not that I'm on the radio. And that, that also gives me the confidence to like, um, to know that everything counts, right? Like everything that you do is important. And every game I call is leading me to into, in the direction that I'm, I'm going. So that's also how fashion, like, I think, um, helps me in that sense. But if you saw me today, you would be like, she is not fashionable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just love how there's a Rebecca Lowe reference in the middle of the show. Oh, I, love, I mean, she's, she's the boss, right? I love Rebecca Lowe. She is yeah. the, one of the best parts of my Saturday mornings. And she Sunday is mornings a boss and Monday afternoons, but <laughs> 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 she's part of my whole weekend. Really? But, uh, Rebecca Lowe. Fantastic. I do have a bone to pick with you though. 
Okay, great. Here we go. Okay, so people people <laughs> listening right now. The first, like I called Jordan, and we were going to do this show at 3 o'clock Central Time, 2 o'clock Mountain Time. And no, we, we were on time. Don't, don't think she was late. Yeah, we but were on time. The first thing, I've been trying to interview this woman for like 10 months. Waited for her to come back from France. Did everything. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing she says to me, that's, is that a little accent? <laughs> I just like accents, so mm. I was trying to figure it out. I, it, you had said like two words. I have a very good ear for accents. <laughs> but is my accent really that bad? It's like, is it really that noticeable? No, but I, I just really do notice it. And I just like, I'm so curious about where people are from and like what their accents are, so. I just, it's I'm, a good thing. It's a good thing. So I've, don't 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 be self conscious about it. It's no, a good thing. I've done like over two hundred shows now. I've never had anyone point it out. <laughs> hey, I'm very. I have. Uh, I'm observe. I'm observe. I don't know what that observant. I have observant. Yeah, there you go. I was like, <laughs> what's the conjugation of that that I want right now? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, Santa Clara University, right there. Right, I know. Shh, don't tell him. <laughs> How was Santa Clara University? I never asked. It was amazing. So much fun. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, I love it. They got that new football stadium over there now, over there in Santa Clara. It's yes. Very far away I, from San Fran, though. <laughs> I watched the Broncos win the Super Bowl there. Oh, you were at that game? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I know. It's kind of cool. Super Bowls are fun. Yeah. Super Bowls are it fun. was amazing. It was amazing. All right. So we have one thing we have to do before we let you go. Okay. It's called the lightning Let's round. Five to Ooh, seven okay. random questions off the top of my head. Let's do it. And also via HuffingtonPost.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. 10 seconds or less. Jordan, if you can invite three famous people living or dead to a dinner party, who would they be? Uh, Jesus. Um, pretty standard one. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And Amelia Earhart, maybe? I don't know. You could ask that her. Last, that last one just kind of popped up, but. You can ask her what happened. Her. Yeah, you can just ask, like, what happened on that? Yeah. Know, just fill yeah. us in. Just let us know. Yeah. I, love, I love how you picked all three dead people. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> <laughs> one from 2,000 years ago and the other one more recent. But well, still. if they're alive, I, I honestly feel like I could meet them if they're alive. So <laughs> I could actually make it happen. I have that yeah, much faith you, in myself. You could. Hey, perseverance. <laughs> perseverance. I wouldn't be interviewing right now if I didn't quit trying 10 months ago. So anything's possible. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's why you got to do dead people because then that's a little harder. Yeah. I mean – I'm going to bring that up a lot. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, she made me wait 10 months. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the, like the staple of our friendship going forward. Um, if you could pick someone to play you in a movie of your life, who would it be? Oh, easy, Julia Roberts. Okay. Simple. Sim- that wasn't, there was no thought to that. No. There was no hesitation. She's so cool. Okay. She's still cool. Like, yeah, she's she still is, cool. She is still pretty cool. Uh, favorite type of sandwich? Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, there used to be this sandwich shop in Colorado called spicy pickle and like you could add your toppings and I would always get like turkey and spicy cheese and like sprouts and this really delicious bread. So I would be a sandwich from spicy pickle. All right. There's a very large topic raging on the internet as we speak right now that started a couple of days ago and in an attempt to be topical, 
even though I don't know when the show's coming out. Popeyes or Chick Fil A? Oh, I have actually never had Popeyes, so Chick Fil A. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Popeyes is is good, but Chick Fil A yeah. is also like a lot better. Yeah, I really I really like their fries too. So those little waffle say. fries. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. God, so good. We get Chick Fil A catering in Houston. Mm, mm-hmm. once a month because we swap out yeah. like subway and like this local chicken place and, and chick-fil-a You're right it's fantastic yeah it's delicious <laughs> it's fantastic um if you could compete for the united states of america in an olympic sport not named soccer or f- or football or whatever you wherever you stand on that uh what would you compete in hmm that's a really interesting question. I haven't thought about that. Winter or summer sports? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go like the most random one that would never happen, but like a snowboarder. Those are so cool. Like snowboard half pipe people like Chloe Kim. Yeah, I'd be Chloe Kim. <laughs> Chloe Kim was even younger than I was when she won her first gold medal. Yeah. She's a beast. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Um, a little more of a personal one. Which one was a wilder time where you kind of looked around and could not believe you were at it? The mm. Women's World Cup parade or the ESPYs? The parade. The parade because it happens so rarely. The ESPYs happen every year, right? And um, the parade was, you know, I think the difference too is like the parade, everyone's looking at you. At the ESPYs, everybody's looking for someone. Like everyone's like, oh, who's the coolest person in here? Um, and like, there's some cool people there for sure. Um, but the the parade, like, it is hundreds of thousands of people screaming. Like they did not stop screaming, and you're just in this tunnel of yelling, screaming fans who are like chanting. It was it was. I actually still can't believe it really happened, and that was on a float. Like I don't know. It just, I don't know. It was so bizarre. Are you worried? Super cool. Are you worried that Ashlyn Harris is going to take your job as social media content creator? <laughs> um, yeah, Ash was <laughs> hilarious. I had random friends texting me like, okay, well, I have a friend actually who works in social media and like helps a lot of people with their brands. And she's like, biggest winner of the World Cup, Ashlyn Harris. Like she crushed it on social media. Um, yeah, and everybody got a real good insight into what they were doing. <laughs> it was a, and the celebrations, it was pretty fun, I think, for everybody. It's a lot of alcohol, she, a lot of dancing. She, yeah, she she cracked me up. That was so funny. That was an incredible, incredible parade to watch on television. I couldn't yeah. imagine being there. And then the yeah. ESPYs look fun, too. Let's not just count yeah, the ESPYs. ESPYs are a good time. But yeah. Women's World Cup Parade has to be like one of the most insane experiences to even be on the float, like yeah. even being in the crowd, but on the float must've been a, a wild time. Yeah. It was, it was really like a dream. I didn't even know I had. It's cool. I don't have anything else for you, Jordan. Cool. I am one. I am just honored that you made time for this, that you uh, decided to, you wanted to come on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And, um, for asking, you know, I think sometimes that for, for a lot of us, that's the hardest part is just like asking and, and the, the feeling of like, maybe we'll be rejected. Right. But like, I think one of the things that you have already found out Riley is like, you don't know until you ask. And like, 
it's a lot better to fail than to not try at all. So like, I'm so, so happy that you asked me and keep asking people because you're a good interviewer and, um, you've got something going here. So ask the big asks a lot bigger than me. Ask the bigger asks than me. Right. I think I need to hire you to come everywhere with me. <laughs> Full circle interview. Life is weird. What, uh, what even was that? That was, that was fantastic. Um, I, I appreciate your, your ability to be open and honest about yeah. some things. We, I, I tried to keep it lighter, but it was a dark place in the middle of it right there. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to talk about that time in life without feeling the emotions, you know, they just like yeah. come up and it was hard. Like it was really hard. And, um, I think people don't, a lot of people don't allow that to like come up. So I, um, have gotten to the place where like, I know that it's important to show and be able to like, for people to feel that. There was a question I didn't get to ask you that I forgot. What? <laughs> Being traded as an athlete. Mm. What is, what, what was that like? Finding out yeah, you got a, traded. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting feeling. Um, I, I I knew that I was going to be traded because um, things weren't just really working out for me at uh, Washington Spirit, and so I knew that there was um, most likely going to be a trade for me. And um, we had a really good discussion about the places that I could play due to my injury history. I was really trying to go to a place that had grass and trained on grass and played on grass and. Um, I think the hardest part about that was like, I had a really truthful and honest conversation. And then, uh, the place I got traded to, uh, had the worst turf in the league. And not only did we play on turf, but we trained on turf as well. And so that was really, that was a hard thing to feel like, um, you know, to be traded anyways, you feel these feelings of like being unwanted, but also on the, if you look at it from the other side, like somebody wants you so much that they traded for you with somebody else, um, for somebody else. So like, I, I knew my opportunity at, uh, uh, Western New York was going to be a cool one. Um, but like that feeling of like doing the right thing and, um, being honest with my coach about where I really wanted to be traded and, um, feeling like we were on the same page and then to be the deceit, like, Honestly, like it felt a little deceitful. Like it, that was hard to deal with. Hard to deal with. That went a little bit darker than I thought we were going to go at the end of this. But yeah. <laughs> I just, I, you're the first player that I've ever interviewed that's been traded. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's a really weird feeling. It's like um, you now play yeah, for the, you now play for this team, so move there. So just yeah. take everything. Mine in. was mine was in between seasons though, so it was a little bit different than I think other people who get traded during season. But um, I had already brought all my stuff back home to Colorado from Washington and uh, knew that I wasn't going to be back there, and so uh, that makes it, I guess, a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, and um, I think that's why professional athletes have like um, some of the like you have to believe in yourself so much and you have to have a little bit of like, uh, like you in front of everybody else because you just never like you can be traded at any moment. Right. And like, you have to do what's right for you. Um, and also balance that with what's right for the team. So it's just a very interesting life to live. Are we going to see you in any movies coming up? I don't know. Maybe I hope so. What's, what's, what's a role that you want to do? 
Um, this is beyond the scenes, know. like post show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, 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 I like maybe in like a comedic like sitcom, like New Girl or something. I could have seen myself in that. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's yeah. accurate. <laughs> Yeah. That like really supported best friend in like a rom com? Yeah, yeah. That's you. That's me. Let's try to make that happen. I'm I'm going to. Like I'll probably make it happen. (laughs) I really, really, really hope you don't get too big for this podcast. (laughs) Um, What'd you say? I hope you don't want to I hope you don't get too big for me and not want to come back on the show. No, I'll come back. Don't 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 forget us when you get super big. I'll come back. Don't you worry. Don't don't leave me in Houston. <laughs> uh, sitting there watching the Rapids play the Dynamo in the, yeah. the summer heat He's, and expect to see you after the game and you don't show up. Right? You're, you're in oh. Hollywood hanging out with Just Brad Just living Pitt. the dream. Yeah, it's not. Oh, goodness. Uh, Anyways. <laughs> so funny. Um, I'm glad we got to chat, though. Yeah. I hope that you'll let me know. Like, do you need anything else from me? No. Um, okay. I haven't actually stopped the show yet. you let me know yet. when that podcast comes out? Yeah. Okay, cool. I haven't actually stopped the show. So we're still going. Oh. <laughs> we caught Perfect. all that at the end. Um, oh. <laughs> Shoot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I'll wrap it up right here. Um, thank you so much for uh, Jordan Angeli. I'm Riley James. If anyone cares. <laughs>